Welcome to BDO Talks ERISA, a monthly podcast from BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence. Each month, we will be talking best practices around all things ERISA, how to avoid common compliance issues, how to navigate the tricky ins and outs of ERISA's fiduciary provisions, and discussing our own experiences working for BDO's ERISA Services Group and the insights we share through the ERISA Center of Excellence. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Welcome to another podcast for BDO Talks ERISA. I'm Beth Lee Garner, and I am the National Practice Leader for our Employee Benefit Plan Audit Group and a partner here at BDO. And we, of course, have my co-host, Joanne Zutka, here today. And as previously mentioned, you know, this podcast is an extension of our BDO ERISA Center of Excellence. We developed the podcast to expand on topics and issues that we bring to you through our social media postings on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and our quarterly ERISA Roundup. You know, the goal of our Center of Excellence is to truly help any plan sponsor and anyone charged with governance of their retirement plan with up-to-date information on what's going on in the industry. We say this all the time, you know, these professionals wear many hats within you know, their organization and our center of excellence can be a place to quickly get up to date information to help with their responsibilities. So today, this is our second part of our ESOP series. Previously, we discussed the ESOP environment with Blake Head, including what is an ESOP and everything relating to offering an ESOP to employees. So, you know, we'll include that link to our conversation that we had with Blake in the show notes, so it's easy for everyone to find if if you listen to this one and kind of get out of order. But today, our focus in the ESOP world is on administration and auditing um, of an ESOP. Joanne, I'm sure you want to say at least hello to everyone. I do, Beth. Thank you so much. Happy to be with everyone again today. And uh, just so for those that are following, we did ask Blake to... uh, show up today, but I think his roll tie did so bad that he's embarrassed to uh, to show up. <laughs> he probably didn't want to hear me to yell, go dogs. So that's probably very appropriate for you to bring up. I and I have not, even though he dogged me on the last podcast, I have not even rubbed it in his face because I don't, you know, I'm trying to be empathetic to their situation. But I do have my Georgia Bulldog brand new tennis shoes on today, but I digress. So we want to welcome Laura Robertson. She is a senior manager from our Global Employer Services who focuses on retirement plan um, services to our podcast today. Um, Laura, I'm going to ask you to provide you know, your background, how long you've been working on ESOP administration, and then we also um, kind of pop up a little nugget of you sharing something personal or something fun about your career. I don't know if we told you that beforehand, but I'm putting you on the spot, but go ahead. Alrighty. Hi, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I am a senior manager in retirement plan services. Like Beth said, I have a, over 20 years experience in retirement plans and all kinds of facets of retirement plans, but um, just about 10 years in ESOP administration and setup experience and definitely putting me on the spot on the fun fact. Um, I am not a bulldog or a um, tied fan, although I have friends that are both or one or the other. Um, I would say my, you know, one of my favorite things is music. I can't um, 
deal without it. I always have music playing in every room of my house and car and anywhere I go. Nice. Ooh, that's awesome. I literally have teenagers that blast their music while they're taking a shower and we have to like beat on the door to tell them to turn it down. It's ridiculous. We have music blasting at all times too. Yes, so. that's what we have in our bathroom. <laughs> well, let's all make beautiful music together and start to talk about Aesop. Um, since we did take the nice little dig at Blake um, and when he was last here, there has been some exciting news since we had that initial conversation with, with Blake that we did want to share. Um, the National Defense Authorization Act was signed into law um, by the current administration on December 27th. And this contains the first ever government contracting program to specifically encourage ESOP. So that's very exciting. Um, just to dive a little bit deeper into that act, it's Section 874 of the new law creates a Department of Defense pilot program that would allow companies that are or become 100% ESOP owned to receive automatic follow-on contracts to continue performing the work. The award would be contingent on a finding that the contractor's performance was satisfactory or better. Uh, the pilot program, which began on January 1st of 2022, it will run for five years. The governmental, the Government Accountability Office is required to provide an assessment of it within three years of the program's enactment. So that is a mouthful. Um, that's a lot to digest. There are, um, we do have some thought leadership on that, uh, providing additional information on the act, but we did want to point that out because it's rare that we do see some type of uh, programs out there specifically designed for ESOP. So I think with that, um, we are ready to dive into the ESOP administration. So Laura, talking about, you know, administration. So let's start at the beginning with regards to like ESOP administration, since this differs from other defined contribution um, administration, you know, 401k, 403bs, where, you know, a plan in those instances, you know, may be remitting employee and employer contributions on a payroll basis. So that's a lot of times where people's brains go to. You know, participants may request a loan or initiate a loan or distribution throughout the year, and this is not the case for ESOP. So explain though how an ESOP works as far as those things compared to a 401k. Okay. So like you said, 401ks and ESOPs have a lot of similarities, but there are some major differences. And so contribution timing is a big one because generally there's only one contribution throughout the year for an ESOP. Um, and that is dependent on whether the ESOP is paying on a note to the company or not, um, you still technically have the same funding deadlines for employer contributions, the company tax return due date with extension. But if you're paying on an ESOP loan, many times that note payment is due at the end of the plan year. And then in order to make the note payment, you have to, the company has to make the contribution. So a lot of times the company contributions are made before the end of the plan year rather than later at the time of the tax return. Um, on distributions, normally 401k plans, you can take a distribution pretty much anytime you want as a participant, whereas in an ESOP, they're generally paid once a year. It's usually after the administration for the prior year is completed because it's everything is based on that prior year end value for the participant. And 
Um, it's usually fall most of the time, and it's only a small window when a participant is allowed to choose what they want to do with their distribution amount. Um, and then once the end of the year passes, there's no more distributions until the next year when the cycle starts again. Um, the other thing is that many ESOPs are paid in installments. So the participant may get, you know, five payments over five years versus being able to take their entire 401k balance all at once. Um, the other big difference is that participants may have to wait five or six years after they terminate employment with an ESOP until they are allowed to actually take their first distribution. So the timing of things, especially on distributions, can be a, a big difference and hard for participants and companies, ESOP companies, to understand when they first get started with an ESOP. So Laura, you were mentioning the timing of the contributions, um, especially when it relates to a note or loan payable. Um, that's specifically, right, in in the auditing world or in the ESOP world, that's relating to a leveraged ESOP, right? Correct. Um, and I do, and then obviously once that obligation is paid off, the uh, ESOP would become non-leveraged. So I, I do just want to point out once that obligation is paid off, it's not like the ESOP dissolves. Correct. Yes, it could still go on with um, contributions being made every year and, and um, allocations being made to participants. It just wouldn't be a, it wouldn't have that ESOP note that they're required to pay on, and it would be more of a discretionary employer contribution. So communication obviously seems to be key. Um, lots of things to think about. What we heard you say the distributions may be in the fourth quarter. Um, the timing of the contributions. Uh, I think we see a lot of times plan sponsors will say, hey, I've outsourced my administration to this service provider and I check in periodically. How much communication throughout the year are you having with the employer to make sure you're aware of the timing? Um, so we have pretty constant communication throughout the year because we're we're working on the plans, the ESOPs throughout the year, whereas maybe in a 401k, we might do the work, you know, in the first quarter of the year and be basically finished with them and not necessarily have a lot of interaction with the company after that. Um, for ESOP, we start the year the same, we give them a census request, and then we usually have a timeline set up. So we know, you know, what the timing we're planning for for the year is. And then the company and all the other service providers in the ESOP, like the valuation company, the CPA, the um, auditor, if there's an audited plan, so that everybody kind of is on the same page with here's when we expect to do these pieces throughout the year. Um, and then, you know, some of the work can be completed up front, but a lot of our work we're waiting on the valuation to be completed. So we get sort of to the point where it's on hold and then our kind of communication at that point is just following up and saying, when do you expect the valuation to be completed? Have you gotten the valuation yet? Can you send me the valuation? Um, and then once we get that, <clears throat> we can finish our work up. And then if it's an audited plan, that's when it would move on to the auditors. And, you know, we all have to kind of take our little piece and make sure we get it done on time so that 
everybody in the line has time to finish their work in order to be able to get the Form 5500 filed on time. So you make, you raise an excellent point about the valuation. So with regards to the ESOP, we all know that it is not publicly traded. So a privately held company will need to have a valuation done on the value of the stock on an annual basis. And that timing is extremely important. Um, Let's just say for this conversation, we're talking about a calendar year end plan Um, and the calendar calendar year, both for the company and for the plan. Uh, The company will get through what they need to do to shut down, whether the company needs an audit review, compilation, whatever it may be. Um, That work gets done probably sometime in the spring, second quarter, they're sending the information over to the valuation company, uh, both as an as an auditor. Um, we we stay out of those conversations between the valuation specialist and the company, um, and then we wait for that to be completed. So I can completely understand um, how timing plays into all of it, and and knowing when work is going to be done and keeping up with the deadlines. Yes, yes, and a lot of times we're sort of the the driver on timeline. Um, but sometimes, you know, the company has ideas or the valuation company has scheduling, you know, that they have to fit in. So it's all sort of a balancing act with everybody to make sure everybody can, can meet all the, the expectations and, and, you know, get through everything so that we can file our 5,500s on time for the plans. So Laura, how does that timing work? Um, you know, we know that there's census work and compliance testing and valuation. So how, lay that out. And, so usually, and how that go, works. Ahead. Yeah. go ahead. Um, usually, like Joanne said, the company has to do whatever their financial closeout is, you know, whether they are just doing their own internal financial statements and, and all of that, or if it has to go through an audit, um, all of that has to be essentially finished before it goes to the valuation company. They, The company and valuation provider work together to get all the information that the valuation company needs. And then the valuation company does their work, completes the valuation and gives, comes up with the share price for the year. And then that's usually the company provides that to us as the record keeper and we finish our allocations and testing and everything that we need to do after that. And then we'll provide the form 5,500 and reports and everything to the plan auditor. And then they have their time period to do the plan audit and um, release their financial statements that go with the 5,500. And then we file the 5,500. So we're in the middle of where Companies are putting together that census data to get ready for the compliance testing slash year-end testing, right? ADP, ACP, all those other numbers. Um, With an ESOP, are there any of those year-end testings that they're excluded from? There are. Um, So ESOPs don't have to do ADP and ACP testing as those relate to um, 401k deferrals and match which generally aren't in ESOPs. Um, They could be, you could have a combined plan where it has it all, and then you would have to do all the testing. 
right? That's called a, a case up, but that's a whole nother ballpark. <laughs> We're not even going to go into that one. But for ESOP, we still have to do, you know, many of the same tests as a 401k, but a lot of times if you have the two plans, the 401k and the ESOP, some of the tests are combined between the two. And usually, because the ESOP usually runs later than the 401k administration, the ESOP provider usually does those combined tests for things such as um, the 415 annual additions limits for participants, the deduction limit for the company, tax deduction limit, and top-heavy testing. And then, sorry, one other thing on ESOPs, there's a special test for S-Corporation ESOPs called 409P which is an additional non-discrimination test um, that only S-Corp ESOPs have to do, but you know, that wouldn't apply to a 401k plan. Always, it's the the devil's in the details, right? There's always a little something extra to consider. Um, when you were mentioning you receive the valuation, you're able to do the allocation, the timing of the contributions becomes important because um, I do know from a record keeping to an audit perspective, um, the allocation, so let me back, the allocation can be different, right? Especially when we're talking in a leveraged ESOP. Um, I'll just take a, a brief second, right? As the company makes that obligation payment, it releases the shares from unallocated to allocated, which is obviously important because that's where you're recording that, hey, these shares now belong to a participant, right? And so what we a lot of times find, and we have talked about this in the beginning is, um, sometimes companies will make the contribution or the, the loan payment or the obligation payment after the year end. And so that can sometimes cause some differences because you can allocate it for the administration side, but we can't on the audit side. And I was just curious how often you see that. Um, a lot, I would say the majority of ESOPs will make their their contribution and no loan payments before the end of the year, before the end of the plan year. Um, it makes everything a little bit easier from the, you know, tax side to our administration and allocations and the audit and everything. Um, one of the things that happens when they make the payment after the end of the year is that the, you know, sometimes the interest isn't counted in that prior year. It's counted for the current year. And then it kind of throws off how the shares are, allocated. Gotcha. Um, so we like it. We like um, companies to make their payments before the end of the plan year. Um, excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. The And we also know we had briefly talked to Blake about ESOPs um, and what was being shared underneath or, or allowed underneath the SECURED Act. Um, so we know that the initial Form 5500, which would have been for the 2020 plan year, has been pushed back. Are there any challenges or obstacles that you're anticipating coming up this year with having to provide um, the information for two years, 2020 and 2021? Um, not necessarily. Maybe just a, a little bit, you know, more, you know, trust level accounting that, that goes into the 5,500. Um, some of them, you know, they didn't make that announcement about the 5,500 until August, I believe it was last year. So a lot of the stuff that we had normally do, we had already finished um, so that, you know, it won't be as much work. It won't be double the work this year. Um, but I think going forward, 
it may be a little different depending on, you know, they haven't, they haven't said that every year it's going to be, there's not going to be a 5,500 for the prior year. That's what we expect them to say, but um, it hasn't been made official yet. But I know, you know, the 21 5,500 has a checkbox of if your plan was retroactively ad adopted for the prior year. So we know they're at least, you know, thinking about it and, and putting it into the 5,500 at this point. So it, hopefully it won't add too much. And I'm, I know Beth and I both from just the, uh, the audit side are curious to see, you know, a year from now or 18 months from now when we can actually do some data mining um, to see how many ESOPs were actually set up underneath the Secured Act. So. Yes, yes. Okay. I know of a few, so <laughs> I'm sure there were a lot. So key takeaways, it sounds like um, I'm hearing from you, you know, as we're, as we're making this wonderful music together, um, is really the timing and the communication. And um, have you had any best practices that you want to share? Is it setting up some type of monthly call with the employer or what have you found works best? Definitely the timeline. You start the year and everybody kind of knows what to expect and knows what their piece is and, and when to expect things to happen. It makes it a lot easier to, to go through the year and, and understand whether it's working or not working or something's been shifted because um, everybody has the plan in front of them. Obviously things happen, things shift and change, but you know, if you start the year with a plan, it usually helps people to kind of know what's going to happen and not be like, okay, I haven't heard from you. What's happening? What's going on? Um, they already know where everything is sitting and who's got the ball and, and you know, what, when to expect things to happen. Um, well, and then the calls, uh, it was just the other thing I was going to say. It, it does help, you know, sometimes if you can, can talk to each other, you know, you might not need it monthly. You might need it monthly part of the year and not the rest of the year. Um, I would say with some of our bigger ones, we talk to them probably weekly, not necessarily scheduled, but um, just trying to get through everything and questions come up and, you know, um, going through the audit and everything because we assist with the audits. Um, we're, you know, usually touching them probably once a week. Got it. And so that's where I just wanted to well, thank you for, for sharing um, about the ESOP administration. Just to touch point. Um, we're kind of, I feel like as the auditor of an ESOP, we may be the last point. So as we've taken um, the listeners through this transition, right, we talked to Blake about, hey, if your company may be right for an ESOP, what do you need to do with that? You get a feasibility study, you see if it's, if it's worked, um, you, you get all of the documents in place. And then with regards to service providers, right, you've got to think of a valuation company, you've got to think of who's going to administer it. And if the plan is large enough, who's going to be auditing it? So there definitely are more players than what you would see in a regular 401k plan or 403b plan. And just kind of knowing what that is. And to Laura's point, Beth, you know, timing really comes down. I know you and I preach communication and timing all the time. Um, it's really outlining that calendar so that we, uh, we all know what is due, when it's due, and what the deadlines are. Because... Uh, we all joke, you know, time is is flying by, and I hate to say, you know, October fifteenth, they'll be here before we know it. So, from that aspect, Beth, you want to share any of your uh, auditing ESOP experiences? I actually leave that all to you. 
I get to do some uh, final report reviews and, and focus reviews, but I don't sign on any ESOPs. So um, I'm just going to let everybody know Joanne is the expert on ESOP auditing. But I do want to thank Laura um, for joining us today and sharing your knowledge on ESOP administration. Um, we would love to hear from the audience. If there are any topics or any questions that you might have or anything that you want us to discuss further, you can absolutely send those to BDO Talks Arissa at BDO.com. Um, as you can tell, we certainly love talking about the retirement, retirement plans and what's happening in um, this industry, such as any kind of new trends. Um, Please also go out to BDO ERISA Center of Excellence on BDO.com, which touches on all topics, retirement and other HR trends to keep plan sponsors up to date. Thank you for listening to BDO Talks ERISA. Past episodes are available at BDO.com slash BDO Talks ERISA. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also send us feedback, questions, or ideas you have for future topics at BDOTalksArissa at BDO.com. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence and the services we provide, visit BDO.com slash ERISA.